From the studios of Advancing Vibrant Communities in Modesto, California, this is Lighthouse Live Radio on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Welcome to Lighthouse Live, the radio voice of advancing vibrant communities. Our mission is to motivate believers to move out from the four walls of the church to personally serve the needs of their neighborhoods. Get ready for a no-holds-barred, honest look at the Christian lifestyle the way Christ commanded it to be. All that and more coming right up here on Lighthouse Live. Good evening to you, wherever you may be. Welcome to Lighthouse Live. Pastor Mike Douglas with you here, along with Elaine Harlan, our producer and co-host, and, of course, our prayer intercessor, the inimitable Mr. Owl, with us as well, and uh, Big John uh, Energizer Bunny Engel uh, watching the phones for us. We even have board members watching us tonight, Elaine, which is uh, kind of a scary thing. Special guest tonight will be uh, the Modesto Mayor, Mayor Jim Reidenauer. We'll introduce you to him in just a few minutes. Before we check in with uh, our weekly Voice of the Martyrs update, I want to let you know how uh, how thrilled we are with and, and you know you can't measure ministry by numbers, but it sure gets you excited mm, you know yes. when you look at them. Yes. Uh, we we know now that uh, between from eighty to one hundred and twenty of you listen to this broadcast every day wow. around the world. Between eighty and one hundred and twenty people per day. Uh, listen to this broadcast, uh, and that's in addition to the live streaming that we do on uh, on Monday Night Live. And we know within the past uh, day and a half, 17 of you from Germany have uh, listened to the program and two of you from Israel. And we're just uh, absolutely thrilled with that. And thank you for being part of the Advancing Vibrant Communities and Lighthouse Life family. All right, before we go any further, let's check in with our friends from Voice of the Martyrs. What will people think when they hear that I'm a Jesus freak? What will people do when they find that it's true? Hey, what's up? This is Michael Tate with news about another real-life Jesus freak. The year is 1992. The place is a jail in the Philippines. During a prison riot, Jackie Hamill, a young prison evangelist from Australia, is taken hostage by inmates, many of whom are communist guerrillas and murderers. Amazingly, Jackie and her friends continue to witness to their captors and pray for them, even after they are raped repeatedly. One inmate is so moved, he throws down his gun and receives Jesus as his savior. On the third day of the standoff, Jackie is shot in the crossfire. Her last breath is spent singing praises to God. The courage to go, the courage to persevere, the extreme love of a Jesus freak. For more on the Voice of the Martyrs, go online to persecution.com. And back with you here again on Lighthouse Live. Again, Pastor Mike Douglas with you along with Elaine Harlan. Just a reminder, friends, if you'd like to find new opportunities to serve, check our daily update page. You can check our website at www.vibrantcommunities.org. That's vibrantcommunities.org. Click on the little red flashy icon, Dealey. That's technical talk there. Yeah. And it'll take you right to the daily update page. Elaine updates that several times a day. New opportunities to serve. Great way to, uh, to bless the community. And uh, again, we thank you. Those of you who are out there serving, uh, as a lifestyle. We appreciate that very much as you reach out in the name of Christ 
to love your neighbor as yourself. Speaking of volunteering, we'll check out the Volunteer Center of the United Way. Lots of opportunities there for you to serve. And uh, check out maybe how's your golf game doing. I don't know how your golf Not is well. doing lately, right. but we'll, uh, maybe the mayor can uh, fill us in. <laughs> maybe not. But the first tee of Modesto where you can tee it up with time and be a positive influence in the lives of youth. We're talking ages 7 to 17 with the learning life skills through the golf program. The program, uh, program offers life skills instruction, clinics, rounds of golfs, and outings to benefit over 2,500 Modesto area youth each year. That's in impacting a lot of lives. People get teed off at me. Does that count? Probably. Oh, Probably that was not. good. Oh, that okay. was good. It's but the coffee. No, it doesn't. No more coffee right. for you. This program offers life skills instruction. Six-week clinics will be held between March and October on Tuesdays through Thursdays from 4 to 6 p.m. and Saturdays from 9 to 1 at the Municipal Golf Course. Uh, volunteers interact with kids during icebreaker skill games. Uh, they accompany youth playing nine holes of golf teaching specific golf skill focus for the day, helping out with skill testing and participating in wrap-up games. Uh, no special skills are needed, and it's not necessary to know how to play golf. I don't quite I'd understand that. I'd be down my that. alley right there. There you go. I guess you're back on. Interested volunteers are asked to uh, attend a program, uh, orientation, orientation training, uh, on Tuesday, February 26th from 5.30 to 7.30. That takes place at Del Rio Country Club, Saturday, March 1st or the 29th from 9 to 11 at Mancini Hall. Now, volunteers must be at least 18 years of age and complete a background check. Now, the mission of the First Tee of Modesto is to, of course, impact the lives of young people by providing learning facilities and educational programs that promote character development and life-enhancing values through the game of golf. Awesome. And then Habitat for Humanity. Now, that hits a, a, a chord close to Mr. Al's heart. You bet. Helping low-income families build their dream of home ownership. Volunteers ages 16 years and up are needed to assist in all areas of house construction and clean up uh, under trained supervision while they build homes and hope. Three houses are in active stages, and I'm sure Mr. Al could tell us all about that. He's got the calluses to prove it. Five houses, not calluses. We're not counting calluses. Okay. Helping construction and clean up under trained supervision while they build homes and hope. Again, three houses. um, are being built Tuesday through Saturdays between 9 and 3. Group business and individual volunteers of all skill levels, professional experience, uh, and those who would like to learn, um, that would be my department, are encouraged to lend a hand and work alongside new homeowner families. That's why they don't get hammers in my hand. Volunteer orientation. They don't give me sharp objects either. Habitat and Humanity uh, addresses the problem of poverty housing uh, by building homes in partnership with families who provide, this is what we like, sweat equity. You bet. Uh, And benefit from no interest loans to purchase uh, their new homes. So that's a a very good concept. And then Stanislaw County Regional 911 uh, where you can put your people skills to work. Uh, volunteer receptionists are needed to answer department telephones uh, professionally, page employees as needed, making copies, filing, uh, and organizing supplies, supply room. Volunteers should have basic 
clerical and organizational skills, a good telephone demeanor, it helps out, uh, be responsible team player, uh, at least 18 years of age, and pass a fingerprint background check. Stanislaw Regional 911 providing around-the-clock public safety emergency dispatch service and uh, is the focal point for the 911 telephone uh, system dispatching 23 law enforcement and fire agencies within Stanislaw County, including Modesto Police Department and the Stanislaw County Sheriff's Department. Now, I don't know, and maybe the mayor might know this, if they do the ambulance kind of stuff. I don't know if they could. No, they don't. They don't no, do no. that. Okay. So. There's a separate one for medical. Yeah, okay. <clears throat> and you would know all about that because oh, I heard yes. this morning uh, from a direct source that you did the ambulance thing uh, before you became mayor, so we'll talk a little bit about that too maybe. But anyway, dear friends at home, if you uh, have any questions about any of these activities, please feel free uh, to call Barbara Borba. She can be reached at 209-524-1307, extension 113. Again, 209-524-1307, extension 113, or you can always give us a call here at 544 Seven would be glad to talk to you anytime. And Elaine, some of those agencies, some of the 90, over 90 agencies that we work with through the city uh, in order to uh, provide services. And so, friends, again, uh, check our website, www.vibrantcommunities.org, and we'll help you get connected. You bet. Well, it is certainly our privilege uh, this evening to welcome the Honorable Mayor of Modesto, Jim Reitenauer, to the Lighthouse Live. Jim, welcome. Mr. Mayor, to Lighthouse Live, and thank you for sharing your time with us this evening. Well, it's really great to be here tonight. I <clears throat> really enjoyed being here. Well, you know, we've, I know you've had a, a long day, and it certainly started out that way <laughs> this morning uh, with your annual State of the City Address. What a, a great time that was. Right. That's a annual uh, little event we have to do whether we want to or not. But the, uh, <laughs> this year there's a lot of challenges coming up, so the uh, speech was pretty... Uh, well into that. Yeah, a lot of people attended. and We had uh, quite a few yes. people there. I was surprised. I, I don't know the number, but there was quite a few people at the, uh, and we've used the State Theater twice in a row now. You know, that's a great venue. Oh, for that. <clears throat> Not just the, the, the beauty of the place, and, it, you know, it's a great historical uh, place to be, but also I think uh, exposing people to that theater, you know, through a, a civic-type focus is, is really important. Um, before we before we get started, Mr. Mayor, uh, you know we're we're all about service here and activating volunteers and connecting them. And you've been in an area of extreme service for a long time in uh, in emergency medical response. Can you just kind of give us uh, a little bit of history there on how uh, God brought you into that world and uh, some of your experiences? Well, uh, I got into that world uh, many, many years ago, 1955. Um, that was before we had any kind of regulations how old you had to be. I was 15 and a half years old, going to high school. And I rode out one night, and I thought this was a great thing to be into. So, yes, I got into the ambulance business back then. There was no regulations. Uh, I finished high school at that point, went in the service, came back, and then got back into it because uh, the owner kept the job for me. But I was in the business for 48 years. I retired in 2003 just before somebody convinced me that this would be a good job to go into. <laughs> but it, back in those days, it was really uh, fun, you might say. You know, we didn't have a lot of equipment. We didn't, you know, it was who could drive the fastest and get to the hospital. And then in 1970, right after Vietnam and everything was over, everybody was wondering what we were going to do with all the medical people coming back. We were training them to do almost everything, including surgery. 
and there was a doctor who decided, why aren't we doing that in the field here in the uh, ambulance business? So that's when the around 1971, actually in the 69s, if you all remember uh, Gage and oh yeah, emergency. emergency. I love that I forget program. the second. Yeah. That used to be a program I didn't like too well, but I watched it all the time <laughs> because it was always my competitor, the fire department. But anyway, in 1971, the city of Modesto, city of Santa Barbara, that time I was in Santa Barbara, and uh, another gentleman was here running this company. We were one of the first ones in the private industry to go through the paramedic school and become paramedics. Mm. Then from that point on, it just became a, no longer was the family affair. It became a real business. And today, as you can see, uh, that's all you have everywhere is paramedics because that's yeah. what it's all about in the field. Well, it's really changed, hasn't it? Oh, uh, yes. It really a little bit has. of trivia, friends. Do, do you remember who starred an emergency? Huh? Who starred in it or who started? started? Star, yeah, it was uh, Kevin Ran- Teague or Tig and Randy Randolph Mantooth. Yeah, I remember Randy. You know, and a lot of a lot of firemen and and women uh, got got into the business because of that program. It really oh, yeah. was groundbreaking. It was, and at that was. time, the the whole paramedic <laughs> idea was something um, that uh, the medical community was a little bit leery of, and uh, quite an innovation. Well, the only county that was allowed to go into it when it started was Los Angeles. You had to have over a million population. Wow. And then in 71, they uh, started some pilot programs, which we got involved in. But a lot of people, a lot of women, a lot of uh, that had no other, I guess, idea of what they wanted to do, went into fire and went into paramedics mm-hmm. because they saw the writing on the wall. Mm. At what point did you realize, Mr. Mayor, that uh, your life was going to take a different turn other than the- as far as where I'm at today, uh-huh, you mean? Uh-huh. Well, I had a life-changing uh, in in my life. I lost a son in 1979 here in Modesto. He was murdered here out of Downey Park. And during those days, I wasn't following God or I was with my second wife. We'd been married quite a few years and everything. And, and we weren't doing what we should have been doing. And... Um, we were enjoying life. I was making real good money, and I owned the business, and we had all the toys in the world, you know, all the things, as I call them today. Well, and it happened that uh, we went through a lot during that time because I'm, I'm a police officer. My family's police officers, and my wife never understood why we had to do what we had to do to get the person that shot my son, and we convicted him at one year to the day that we put him in San Quentin. He walked out the front door. And he was gone for another 10 years. So I went through another 10-year spasm looking for him and doing things. And uh, he was finally caught in Puerto Rico. But what really changed our life is we have uh, my pastor, uh, Joel Richards. Uh, He has been friends of our family for many, many years. And he's the type of person that every time you saw him, he didn't push you, but you knew where he was coming from. He wasn't like my dad and mom. They used to push us all the time to go to church, you know. I came home from work one day, and we were sitting on the patio, and this was after I, we had a ranch, and this was after my son had left home. It was just me and my wife, and it was funny. I said, you know, is this what life is all about? Go to work, make big money, have all the toys in the world, I mean boats and everything. And she had been thinking the same thing. <clears throat> so this was back in 1990. I'm not sure what year. It was around 93, 94. And... She had been thinking the same thing. So we both talked for a while, and we decided, you know, maybe we need to go to church. 
because we were both raised that way. And we thought, well, where should we go? Well, I was raised at Loma Grace Brethren in the 40s and 50s, mm-hmm. way back then. And so we said, well, you know, Joel, let's go to church. So we did. The first Sunday we were there, we got out of there and we go, mm, this isn't what we need. But we decided to go back. And the interesting part was, even though we had some background, I mean, you know, because we were younger then, but we finally realized that we were looking for somebody, for Joe or somebody in that church to just beef us up to a point that we walked out of there like in cloud nine. And what we really realized, we're supposed to do that for God. That's what we're there for. Mm. We're supposed to glorify God so he feels that way, not us. We're supposed to be able to walk out of that church knowing that we've done in our worship service or the ministry or whatever it is. Uh, we need to be doing that. So we really got involved. Uh, it was interesting. We got involved in the youth groups. We were helping the uh, youth pastor at that time was a part-time pastor. We really got involved in it. We started having Bible study at our homes, and uh, it really, really turned our lives around. It was a big challenge for me, uh, especially with the younger people, because I started meeting with them all the time. Because I, you know, I was kind of this father image, you might say, because I'm a I'm a police officer, and I I know what's right, or I thought I did. <laughs> so it was interesting. We had a great. It was great while we were doing the uh, the uh, youth group. I became uh, on the board of overseers. I do the finances for the church. I've been doing that for the last 10 years. But, you know, it came down to when I retired, it was interesting because I didn't know what I really wanted to do after I was retired. I'd been watching the city councils, and I said, you know, I want to do something there. You know, I'm the type of person that has to stay busy. My wife knew that I wasn't just going to retire and do nothing. So I decided I'd run for city council, and at that time, a friend of mine who graduated with me was going to run for mayor. Well, what happened is his business went sideways, and they convinced me to run for mayor, and I'd never done anything politically. So I'm telling you right now that I did so much praying, and I just asked God, you tell me where you want me to be. If it isn't there, then that's fine. Because my wife and I had looked at the idea of leaving and going on some type of a mission, maybe not across the country. We'd been to uh, Israel for two weeks with Joel. That really popped us up and really Mm -hmm. thought we wanted to do that. But we really left it in God's hands and said, look, if you want me to be mayor, you'll see that it's done. And so in the election, uh, you know, everybody says, well, you did a lot of work. I did. I, I walked a lot. I did a lot of talking. But the thing still came down in my life was, God, you tell it. You decide where I go. And so we went through, I went through, uh, the person I ran against uh, was a very good friend of mine. We had been friends for 30 years, worked together and everything. She had got convinced, same way I did, to run for mayor. So we got in the runoff, and I, I came out on top. At that point, Joel Richards was very concerned about me because he was afraid that what he had seen is that you can let this thing wrap up your life again and you're not doing the things. Mm. Um, he's, he's a good mentor, believe me, because mm. he, he makes sure that I do things. And I found that through the first four years, there had been times that this job can take away from everything. It's a mm. very, very, very long days you put in 40 50 hours a week demanding isn't it and so anyway went through the first four years 
And I wasn't going to run again. I just didn't think that was what was laid out for me. And so I waited till the last minute to turn on my papers because I was praying and saying, God, is this what you want me to do or shall I do something else? And I continually waited to see if somebody else would step up and run for mayor because that was going to tell me that maybe, you know, I really don't need to run. Well, nobody did. And I went ahead and put my uh, papers in. And, you know, I give people a, a bad time because I tell Joel this all the time. I said, you know, sometimes I wonder if <clears throat> this is, uh, is God paying me back for the way I spent all those years <laughs> or is this just a new way of doing things because this is a tough job. But I really enjoy doing it. I know we all have our ups and downs on any of our jobs we go to, but as long as you got God in your life, He'll get you through those things. It's just like this morning when I went in to do that that talk. I'd been sick for a long, <clears throat> about three weeks mm, when I went back right. to D.C. But, you know, he's there. He makes sure that it comes out. People have to understand God does things in his way, not yes. in our way. Amen. He does them in his time frame, mm-hmm. not our time frame. Mm-hmm. And I know I get very anxious sometimes when I'm really looking for something and I want to do something, but I don't, you know. And if he doesn't answer right away, you kind of look back and say, well, maybe I'm not supposed to do it. But all I can say is uh, you don't have anything without him. Amen. And you uh, you can do all things, as he says, with him. Amen. That kind of gives you a fast rundown of my <clears throat> life. Well, you, you mentioned our, our, our friend and brother, Joel Richards. And, and we ask you, our listening audience, to keep Joel in prayer. He's... Uh, had yet another surgery on his vocal cords, and uh, some weird little things keep appearing there. Not not cancer, we understand. Just right. some interesting attachments there, and and uh, he gets really hoarse, which is tough for a preacher <laughs> every time this happens. So we ask you to keep him in prayer. Yeah, he's done a great job this time of not talking. The doctor told him three weeks, absolutely, yeah. and I think uh, he's done. I saw him Sunday at church, and you can write him on the emails. You can do all that, but he's done a very good job, and I think it. He, you know, he feels as though it's getting a lot better. So. Well, and, and you know, you mentioned uh, Joel as a mentor, and uh, for quite a few years, he's kind of been one of those people that's been an accountability person for me. He mm-hmm. he has the the wonderful gift of being able to be straight up and speak the truth without offending. You know. Yeah, he can put you in your place. <laughs> he can. <laughs> and not be offending Amen. at the same time. You know, Mr. Mayor, I, I think that's one of the qualities that many people in this city and community see in you. And it's just remarkable to see the the tragedy that you and Renee, your beautiful wife, have, have come through yourselves. And, you know, being mayor or in any position uh, like you have is not such a glamorous one. We see you at all all the public events and all of the different things that you have to be a part of, and it's it's all fine and wonderful. It's sad that you've served two terms, and you said this morning, this is your final one, and it's kind of sad to see that over. But, you know, to see what the Lord has done, Jim, in your life, he's taken your, your brokenness. And what a testimony you guys have. Yeah, we, I think a lot about the years that we weren't following. Uh, one of the things that I meant to tell you is it really sh- uh, shook my wife and I up. Is We were visited one time, and this was nine, ten years after Michael had been killed, by uh, a couple of his real close friends. And 
they were telling us and something that we never even knew. Our son was going to church and going to Bible studies, and he never told us. Mm. And wow. that made us do some real thinking. Wow. If our own kids doesn't understand where we're at with God, that they go out and do their own thing, but they won't even tell you about it. And I think that's one of the problems in the world today is that I know this when I went back to God. It was really interesting because I own a company and I ran a company and I had people that I didn't realize it was going to church and that way until the day they found out that I was doing it. And it was amazing how many of them was able to tell us. We mm. need to let people know. Mm. We don't need to hide it. Amen. Well, and, and Mr. Mayor, I think, as you, uh, if you've been in the Modesto area any length of time, the name Ridenauer hmm. just has some DNA attached to it in terms of public service. I mean, yeah, and I don't know all the connections, you know. And I've been here 10, 11 years, and I know there are so many connections in Modesto. But your family just has public serv- servants written into the whole DNA of of, of uh, your heritage. I mean, you, you guys are all over the place, right? We. Uh... We have been in law enforcement for so many years mm. that uh, it goes way back. My father hated it. Uh, all of us has worked in the ambulance business for me at one time. We've all been in law enforcement. In fact, all of our sons are in law enforcement, either oh. here or in Stockton, with the exception of three. All of my nephews are in law enforcement. We have three that didn't go into it. They're probably uh, the smarter ones of us. <laughs> <laughs> It uh, The last one that really has joined up has been my sister's son, and she hates all of her brothers for it because he <laughs> went to school and college to be uh, not a cop. But it's a great profession. It's a very dangerous profession. Mm-hmm. Uh, people don't realize mm-hmm. being a reserve for 30-some years like I've been is a lot different than being there full-time all the time and just uh, what – police officers go through and police officers have the roughest life and a lot of it has to do with themselves and how they believe that their lives need to be they all think they have to be together you know we're a cop we got to go with cops we got to see cops we and that comes from kind of the old way when you used to go to a party or something they find out you're a cop and they'd run off but the greatest thing that happened to me with my son is that Jimmy's a cop in uh, Stockton now. He used to be in Stanislaus County. They all live here. We have 52 of us that live in Modesto wow. today. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Not all cops. <laughs> no. Oh, okay. You have your own department. <laughs> <But> that. <laughs> anyway. The place's problem um, with cops has a whole new meaning. <laughs> my son believed just like the rest of us all believed, and, and it got to a point when he transferred to Stockton, he says, now i got to move there because i got to be close to the guys. And when he had the kids is when things really change in one sense because he says there's no way I want to raise my children here. He brings them back to Modesto. We had prayed an awful lot for him and his wife and the rest of my kids, but he got a sergeant that was a Christian. And quite a few years ago, he changed his whole life around and uh, accepted God. His wife, his family, he's doing what we did. He's doing the youth group now. Uh, he's an intelligent officer for the gangs in Stockton, and he's been able to really bring some real life to youth and showing pictures of what gangs are all about. And there's only two things that you can get out of being in a gang, and that is dead or in jail. Yeah. And people need to understand that. 
that there is nothing else out there but death and jail. Absolutely. Mm. One of the things that we really uh, appreciate and enjoy, Mr. Mayor, is the open door right now between government and churches. The fact that we enjoy that here at AVC is that that open door policy, there seems to be a, a really good relationship uh, between that uh, those two going on. One of the things city has done and we've continued to do is the invocations at our council meetings. A lot of them don't do that. Uh, the city was sued once. But our open door is to all religions. It doesn't matter. It, it uh, don't matter who it is that wants to come up and do the invocation. They have the right. Um, there's a list of our pastors that do it pretty regularly, but all they have to do is call. And So we don't uh, make any whims about the religions or anything. And I, and I believe in that. I think you have to. I uh, When I became mayor... I put a Bible on my desk thinking, well, that won't last long because of the way the laws are. But I was very surprised. It's uh, still there today, and nobody has ever said a word about it. Well, you know, one of the things that we've noticed, Mr. Mayor, is an, an openness that Elaine just mentioned in terms of partnering. You know, and, and we hear all the publicity about, you know, the uh, the twisting of uh, Thomerson, Thomason, uh, Thomas Jefferson's letter to the Danbury Church, you know, about the separation of church and state and how that's been rewritten throughout history and, and twisted. Um, but here, we're not experiencing that. In fact, as as we've interacted with the police department and the fire department and, uh, and with the county as well, it's always not, eh, you're from the church, we don't know if we want to work for you. It's usually, hey, where have you guys been? You know, we need you. It seems like that there's just a real openness to partnering with the faith-based community. Well, I think the other thing we've all learned is the idea we got to get the faith-based community involved yeah. if we're going to change what's going on in this country. Mm-hmm. In Modesto, we are in, I should even say San Salas County, we have realized that we have to have the faith-based community involved, whether we're dealing with kids and gangs, uh, graffiti, it doesn't matter what it is. And I know from your agency here, it's just amazing that we hear the things that we hear all the time about, you know, you have people out doing all kinds of stuff all the time. But we need to get together and people have to start thinking about what life's all about. You know, um, you know, God says love thy neighbor. You know, we've got to get back to the point that where we have respect for people, we have to love each other. And you know, I don't know what it's going to do to make the change, but I see this every day of the week. I go out and I talk to people, and I find people that still is afraid of uh, connecting with the faith base. And I think that all comes from the old, uh, you know, if we're going to do anything for you, you got to sit for an hour and listen to us right. give mm-hmm. you a sermon. And I'm not that way. You know, I, I think that they can learn more from us by just the way we act, the way we treat people, the way we do things. And you'll get people asking you questions. And that's when you can let people know, you know, there is a better way, you know, across the street. There is a better way to get into God's Word. And if you're in God's Word, we're going through a book right now that says, No Time to Pray. And I and that mm. and I forget the gentleman that wrote it, but that's been one of the best books I've ever read because I mean, he really gets into, and you do this, and I do this, you know. There's more things that, oh, I 
should have, but I didn't, you know. But there is always time to pray. Well, one of the great theologians of the past was a famous saying, and a lot of people have taken credit for it, but it's, it's, it's worthy to repeat, and that is, preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. Uh, yeah. Oh, indeed. We're enjoying a great time tonight with Mayor Jim Ridenour of Modesto, and he spoke of love. And I hope it's okay that I brought out a, a favorite song of Amen. mine this week, and I, I don't mind telling you that Third Day is my favorite. I can't do anything
thing on Lighthouse Live. Great song, love song to the Lord. Here with Pastor Mike, Elaine, and Mayor Jim Ridenauer here on the city of Modesto on Lighthouse Live with you as we celebrate all the good things that are going on here in the city of Modesto. And just sad that this is going to be the last term that you serve here. Mayor Jim. <laughs> Jim's going, no, 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 no. <laughs> That takes a lot out of your life, doesn't it? You talked yeah. about some of the challenges uh, this morning and the accomplishments. Uh, Mayor, what uh, what do you see ahead for Modesto? Well, I see ahead a lot of good things happening in the city of Modesto. Uh, we've got a lot of challenges, as I said, to this next two years. A lot of it's financial but I think if we can all pull together, one of the things that I've done for five years is trying to pull all nine cities and the county together. We've mm. done a good job at doing that. Yes. Mm-hmm. But I'm really looking forward to trying to figure out where we're going to go with our transportation and the planning for the future. That's going to be the most important thing I think we do. We're, we will be in 2030 almost a half a million people in the city of Modesto, wow. which means our county will be over a million people. And as we talk about this, and we, as mayors, we meet every month and we talk about this, where are we going to put them? And people get all excited about Salida going to become a city and stuff. I, I really believe we're going to see maybe a couple more little cities pop up. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to. Or we're not going to save all the farmland we got out there if we don't. I mean, we got to prepare for it. we got to have the infrastructure. we got to have the places to put these people because if you don't, they're still going to come. So I see as one of the big challenges, like I said, in the next two years is providing services that we're required to rep- provide. The biggest thing I see in government, we got to have smaller government, and we got to provide services. Government isn't for everybody, and you can't provide everything for everybody. And that's one of the big problems today is government. Can is we trying. write you in for president? <laughs> no. no. But oh, government no. is got to stop trying to do that amen we are going to be making some tough decisions this next year and we know that but we're going to have to there's no money are we really so different than other cities nope every city in the state of california is going through it we're lucky uh our finance director caught this in the first quarter of our last year and brought it to us and we got talking then and we started our cuts then Sacramento City has a $55 million deficit, and they didn't catch it until, and they're doing it all in six months, and you can't do it. I was with Heather Fargo. It's going to force us all to wake up to the idea that we can't provide services to everybody. I I believe people need to understand that if you want us to pick up your limbs and you want us to do this, then you've got to be willing to pay it. And I don't think any of us really want to see taxes go up or fees go up or anything else go up. You know, in, in Romans 13, Mira, and I'm sure you've sweated over this chapter many, many times, Paul says it's necessary to submit to the authorities not only because of possible punishment, but also because of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give everyone what you owe him. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. And really, this sets up God's protocols. He has ordained government to do certain things. You know, we think you, this morning you talked about water and infrastructure, transportation, some some heady things. Of course, uh, law enforcement, fire services. Uh, but He's also ordained the church 
to do some things, and I think uh, to the to the sadness of of the American church in the past couple of decades, we've abdicated a lot of that role to government and put a lot of pressure on you as government officials that God never intended for you to have. And so I, I you know, I think. One of the uh, things that, that we uh, will partner with you on and are committed to in terms of local government is activating the faith-based community to do what God intended them to do, to do what the church was intended to do, to take care of the needs of the people in your own neighborhood, to release government and maybe release those tax dollars to be put to work in a, in a way more that God had intended those taxes to be used. Yeah, I think that uh, that's what's going to continue to come out of all this at least what we're doing here is getting the faith-based community together. The other thing is I think churches have to open their doors. I think churches has got to get out of the yes. box. Amen. Yes. Oh, Amen. There you go. We've all been in that box. You know, We're all a family. We talk about it all the time. We're a family, and we don't, we don't look outside. We don't, we don't uh, you know, the same thing we're looking at in uh, city government. We're, think outside the box. Mm-hmm. Think about your neighborhoods. Think about what we could be doing through churches. Uh, I mean, you have people, you have churches that help out at the missions. You have churches that go down to the shelters and stuff. But we need to all be thinking out of that box and how can we help each other go through what we're going through. And the other thing is people got to get off their own duffs <laughs> and take care of themselves. There's been too much, especially in California, there's been too much you deserve i deserve it you owe me mm-hmm. you know we've had generations and generations of welfare and stuff and i'm not against the welfare program but i think with what we have out there they ought to be working for it we could clean up our cities we could do so many things i spent a week in china on my second trip my wife went with me she had a complete different perspective about china and the red china and the government over there until we got there and i was trying to tell her i've been there and i've seen it but er, there is a poor there is a middle class and there's a rich everybody works in china you can everybody smokes in china also but i defy you to find one cigarette butt on any ground or anything mm. you find no trash cans anywhere but do you know what you see a lot of you see a lot of people sweeping streets sweeping sidewalks sweeping their freeways hmm. they're working they may you know some people think well that's terrible well it isn't i mean they're they're providing food for their family and it was just such amazing thing the other thing that we've lost in this country we don't know how to treat people hmm. we absolutely do not know how to treat people like they do when we got over there we were treated like royalty constantly people were just I mean, so friendly and everything. And I and I know it's different where you go everywhere. But I'm saying when those same people come here, I mean, I sit there and I think about the way we treat people when they come to our country. Mm-hmm. We've got to change. And that's mm-hmm. part of the change. Are you sure I can't write you in for president? No. I'm just, I'm just checking. <laughs> Not going to work. <laughs> right. we we got a couple minutes left. We may get through. Pat Chavez is one of our uh, members of the board of directors here at ABC. In fact, uh, Pat was in on the, the groundbreaking, as was Mr. Al here as he sat in the parking lot and prayed ABC into existence. Pat was one of the charter members of the board of directors. And, Pat, maybe if you can scoot up to the microphone just for a second. Jim talking about, was talking about 
the need for the church to really get involved in what's happening in the community and get outside the box or, or, or the or the four walls and and you've kind of been on both sides, Pat. You've you've been there as a businessman. You're you've been there as a, a church leader and a, a, a chairman of an elder board, and and so you've kind of seen the the whole um, ability to partner together and and some of it coming. Uh, coming to fruition just from your perspective as you've been listening to to the mayor as a businessman what's your heart uh, how can you see how we can work better between the church the the faith-based community the businessman and uh and the government how can we partner together better uh to to see what god will do with that in the future avc <laughs> i like that answer one of the well first of all jim it, it's great to to be able to uh sit across from a man that gets it uh, a, a man that gets it from all three sides from the from the government side and and from a business standpoint and from the church side and and you know to quote mike one of the things mike says is government does government things well and church does church things well um but we need to take responsibility as individuals and 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 we need to take ownership of 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 our community and and uh one of the things that uh, uh you're talking about is a responsible citizenship and 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 I believe that as citizens of, of of God's community that we need to get outside the four walls of our church and get off of our duff to quote you mayor and to uh and to do those little things like give a person a give a person a ride to a, a dialysis appointment or you know we go out and paint out the graffiti and you know one of the thing we have a great uh, chief of police here and uh, um, man one of the things he said uh, to us was we want quality people in our in our in our department and and uh, we want people that that love our community and and, and love each other and 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 we need to ex- be able to express that uh, and, and not just think things need to be get get done, but what can we do to get the things done. So we need cooperation, not just between agencies, but the people that belong to those agencies. And, and I see that uh, not only is it a grassroots thing that we have here going, but it's also something that's happening at the top. And I have great hope to see uh, God energizing um, his people in the church and in the city and, and in the community. And, and um, I think Modesto is going to be a, a model uh, for a lot of cities. Amen. You know, we're bumping the clock here for a break, but I will say I'm an outsider, and, and I I don't tell many people, but I'm from the Los Angeles area. And I don't say that too much up here, but coming up here, I've got to say that God is doing something special in this area spiritually that you don't see many other places, and maybe we can talk about that on the other side of the break We'll be here. back right after this. Deep needs, deep hurts, spreading far beyond the government's ability to help. Children, single moms and dads, the elderly, disabled, the homeless. Yet, thousands of resources that can meet those needs are sitting right now in the pews and seats of our churches. The challenge? Activating those resources and connecting them with the people in need. We have a proven solution, Advancing Vibrant Communities. 
We bridge the gap. We connect people and churches with opportunities to serve the needs of their neighbors. Pure, simple, proven effective, advancing vibrant communities. What's our motivation? Jesus' command in Matthew 22:39 to love your neighbor as yourself. The church at large has a biblical mandate to serve the needs of the community. Advancing Vibrant Communities researches those needs, then finds volunteers with the skills and passions to meet those needs. The very first story that Mike told about ABC involves serving one of my church members whose needs I could not meet within my own community. And in that moment, God humbled me and asked me to open my heart and really listen. And as I saw the setup of the database, I realized that AVC is a wonderful partner with my own congregation. It helps us be more effective. This organization comes along and says, I'll do a lot of the groundwork and we'll discover the needs. And then those folks in your congregation who desire to be a part and who have these skills can volunteer. AVC partners with over 80 community and government agencies to help meet the needs of the city. We network with organizations like Habitat for Humanity, the American Red Cross, Salvation Army, the Area Agency on Aging, the School District, and the Police Department. Habitat and AVC is a perfect match in that we both have common missions of helping people get out of the four walls of the church, getting out into the community and helping others. AVC serves volunteers by finding ways for them to help others. AVC serves the needy through volunteer efforts with love, grace, mercy, and compassion. AVC serves churches by augmenting efforts to reach out and meet the needs of their neighbors. AVC serves businesses by helping create healthy neighborhoods, by connecting employees with opportunities to volunteer, and by providing opportunities to donate goods and services to legitimate needs in the community. Well, it works. And I, I, I believe that as in our companies, as being uh, formerly a businessman in, in, in Stanislaus County and, and uh, other counties in the state as, as, as well, that uh, our companies were only as, as successful as our weakest link. And I believe that to be the same case in our communities and in our cities, that we can only be as much as we're going to be based upon the capacity and the ability of others to participate at an increased level and quality of, of life. You know, some of us can do, donate a little money, some a little time, some one or the other or both. It really touched my heart that these strangers were interested in me and what I needed in my life. You know, it's not only hearing it, but it's seeing them, and it's being there in person and seeing the, the need that they have and hopefully being able to do something about it. I will tell you, as you know, your chief of police in the city of Modesto, we need your help in the community making a difference. Volunteer, I know we can put you to work. And I, I promise you, if you get involved, you'll feel better. You'll be happier. How can we partner with you to meet the needs of our city? We ask you to consider monthly financial support and to help recruit more volunteers. Advancing Vibrant Communities. Faith in action. Pure, simple, proven effective. Carrying out the biblical mandate to love our neighbors as ourselves. Thank you. 
And we're back with you on Lighthouse Live. Pastor Mike Elaine, Mayor Jim Reidenauer, and Pat Chavez from the ABC Board of Directors. And and Mayor Reidenauer, we just want to thank you so much, not only for all of the uh, years that you have served um, this great community and all that you've done but uh, in your church and your community, but uh, being here with us tonight. And, and I just want to thank you and ask you uh, any last comments and uh, any prayer requests and, and just how would you encourage uh, this great city that you've been serving? Well, I guess <clears throat> as far as a prayer request, I always ask for prayer for myself because there's so much going on. But I also mm-hmm. ask prayer for the city mm-hmm. and for the people in the city that we can finally see the light that uh, there is a light at the end of the tunnel and it's God and uh, I think if we all just pray and and take care of each other we'll find that all the things we think are really a problem aren't a problem but I've really enjoyed being here tonight and I'll be glad to come back anytime you uh, ask but uh, (laughs) I just think everybody needs to remember God, you can do all things. Without him, you don't have anything. And thank you very much. Thank you. Mayor Jim Reidenauer, thank you so much. We know that you have some appointments to go to, so we're going to let you go here. Thanks so much for dropping by, and God bless you. And and thank you for sharing yourself and your family with the the city of Modesto, the county of Stanislaw County. We appreciate you so much. Thank you. Pat, uh, you know, we were talking a couple of minutes ago about getting involved, and of course, that's what uh, advancing vibrant communities is is all about. And and one of the keys, I think, is involving families. And uh, you you've been a great cheerleader for that. You've taken kids and grandkids to uh, serve meals at the shelter. And uh, let's talk a little bit about just uh, modeling serving for your family and and how easy that is and yet what a great impact that has on the community and and those who are serving. Well, you know, one of the the things about church, and I I love my church. I attend Big Valley Grace Community Church, and it's it's a great church. But when you go to church, that's not something that you uh, that you do with with a family, and uh, and it's hard to model Christianity there. You go for corporate worship, and you go for for instruction and learning, but but it's not really doing life inside the four walls. And one of the things advancing vibrant communities has done is is allowed me to model for my children, my 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 son-in-law, my my grandchildren, uh, just. Uh, just what being a Christian is and, and that God cares for people other than yourself. And church is an exclusive community. It isn't that, like, like the mayor said, it isn't just an exclusive club where, where, where we're the only family. God calls us to love everyone. And, and, um, so I've taken my family and extended family and friends and children and we've gone down to the uh, homeless shelter and we've been able to, uh, to provide food and gather food and serve the food and sing and share and pray with those people. But we've also been able to incorporate, uh, needs, uh, helping with needs such as, uh, accumulating furniture and loading it up and, and borrowing a, a truck from a non-believing neighbor and, and open up the discussion as why, what are we doing and why are we doing it and, and, and allowing him to par- participate in blessing other people and, and so advancing vibrant communities, getting involved in the community, getting outside the four walls of the church, um, and, and participating with many others to meet to meet the needs is just a, a tremendous way to 
to teach your kids uh, and your grandkids uh, how to make a difference. Pat, you're talking about your grandkids. I'll never forget the day that you and Joshua walked through the doors mm-hmm. here after delivering some food at one of the mobile home parks here. Do you remember that? You came back. You guys had just delivered some food, and the blessing that you guys both received, you both came back, and I have to say, you had tears in your eyes as well, mm-hmm. but Joshua was so blessed. You guys were just so jazzed as you related the stories of how that just blessed both of you. You want to share just a little bit? Well, I have a 14-year-old grandson named Joshua Pierce and a 14-year-old granddaughter named Cassandra Pierce, and on two separate days, I took food, um, and we went out to uh, uh, a one of the trailer parks in, in some of the poor neighborhoods, and we had an abundance of food that we were gathering to feed the shelter, and, and, and so we had more than enough. So we went out, and we were able to to meet people, and, and it was a, a great opportunity to, to let my grandkids know that just because God gave us a lot doesn't mean that he loved us any more than than these other people that that ha- didn't have as much as we did and and so for them to be able to see um, different living conditions and to see quote unquote the other side of the tracks and to, and uh, to know that God loved them and to see how grateful some of these people were um, it, it was, uh, it was a, I believe, a life-changing experience for both of them. Amen. Blessed everybody, didn't it? Thank you so much for sharing. Dear friends, wherever you may happen to be listening, we thank you for tuning in. And I uh, just hope that your life has been truly blessed by what you've heard. Join us again on February 25th as we will be welcoming to Lighthouse Live Claude and Gaylene Terry. Mm. And what a testimony their lives have been and, and are. So have a great week and may God continue to bless your lives.